Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 138 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, there was there was a TV show way back in the day, way back in the day. I don't remember it at all, uh, but I do remember there was a steam song from it. It was amazing. We played it in my high school marching band. It was it was the bee's knees. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward a few more years. 1996, a little movie by the name of Mission Impossible came out, had Tom Cruise dangling from wires, you know, barely like staying safe afloat on this floor. And everyone said, that's a good time. Tom Cruise, uh, could you do that again? And he did again and again and again and again, seven times now. And that's what we're talking about today, Michaela. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. That's right. Dun, 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 dun. Can you whistle? Because if you whistle and you can do the do 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 I, I I can. I'm going to uh, I'm going to save everyone out there, uh, their speakers or their headphones, whatever they're listening to this on on my whistling. But yeah, the, the theme song is great. And that movie was so much fun. Right. Everyone. Everyone loved it. Uh, we wanted to get Ethan Hunt uh, back in our lives. And, you know, I watched the first couple of these. I, I tailed off of it a little bit. But when we saw the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One was coming out, we had to check it out uh, for nothing else than that uh, crazy motorcycle stunt that they've been oh. promoting for the last like two years. Yeah, totally. So the director, Christopher McQuarrie, um, he has not directed all of them. The first one was actually Brian De Palma. Um, mm. So you can tell. And then, you know, it moved on to John Woo, J.J. Abrams, Brad Bird. But um, the last four, since Rogue Nation, they have all been these amazing, like, stunts and lots of action, but really kind of um, team building uh and one of the things that I loved was that they did this preview. If anybody who's been in the theater in the last six months, you know what I'm talking about. There was like a five minute preview on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. And that was this motorcycle stunt where Tom Cruise actually jumps off a cliff on a motorcycle. And then he, he, does. he deploys a parachute and doesn't die and he does it multiple times because they have to get all these different shots of him doing it and one would be too much for me i don't think especially i mean he makes a bazillion he's worth like i don't know his weight in gold probably it's so cool that they did it and that he did it over and over again um but that's that is the that is the thing that i definitely was looking forward to most is watching this in real time and seeing what crazy thing he did to uh like what what he had to save and what he had to give up in order to make that stunt, because you know that that's got to be like a pinnacle part of the film, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It is a it is a pivotal part of the film. And yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely hyped up for sure. But we're gonna have to get through the movie before we can talk about uh, that jump and all the stunts that we see in this thing. So why don't we do this, Michaela? Let's take a quick break. We'll go and we'll get a cocktail that pays um, homage to the world of Mission Impossible. And we'll be right back to chat about it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this cocktail comes from one of my favorite places uh, here at Drink the Movies. We uh, are located, both of us are in Charlotte. Uh, so we use Regal Cinema as our cinema of choice. Uh, that is not a, an ad, but it could be. Could be You could pay us to say that, Regal. We wouldn't mind. Um, but I am from Texas. I say that. I spent 30 years of my life there. And one of the coolest movie theaters in all of Texas is called the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I believe that there's an Alamo draft house uh, in in North Carolina. I think it's in Raleigh, uh, potentially. So yeah, let's get one of those in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll be first in line uh, to go try out one of your cocktails because we found a video for this Mission Impossible cocktail. It looked pretty good, I have to say. Um, and, you know, we wanted to give it a try. Now they called it uh, the Syndicate cocktail. So what we did was we put this cocktail um, into our artificial um, intelligence, you know, computer, the entity, and it spit it out and it said, you know what? Nope. Perfect, perfect cocktail for this. Let's do that. So uh, that's what we're doing today, Michaela. And this one is really good. It's really simple. Um, it's really, it's perfect right now in this hot weather for sure. Um, but yeah. this is kind of like a, this is kind of like a gin martini version of a Paloma, which is one of my faves. 
Absolutely. Uh, so this is really fun. Um, you're going to take a martini glass. I would chill it. And then you're going to take a ounce and a half of some gin with some ice. You're going to add three quarters of an ounce of pamplemousse uh, liqueur in it. Um, then you're going to add half an ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice. Okay. You're going to smack a basil leaf, add that sucker right on in there. And then you're going to shake it up, strain it over your now empty chilled glass. And then you're going to drink this beautiful concoction. You are going to drink this beautiful concoction. Yeah, it is. It is light. It is very grapefruit forward. Uh, we used a really nice, uh, it's a pomplemousse uh, liqueur. It's from Giffords. Uh, if you can't find that one, you might be able to just find a grapefruit liqueur. If you can't find that, you could probably substitute like a grapefruit uh, vodka or even just some straight uh, grapefruit juice. And then this would be a lower ABV cocktail and that would be nice um, in the summer too. But but yeah, shake that up, strain it and enjoy. Uh, this was this was delicious. I didn't get a ton of basil in mine. My little basil leaf was was like like half the size of the one that they used in the Alamo Drafthouse uh, video. So I got to I got to up my game there. Maybe, you know, try a, an extra leaf or two. But but it was nice. It gave it just this little bit of kind of like like aromatic like herbal like fragrance to it and then uh that giffords pomplemousse is excellent we've used it a time or two here uh for the podcast and it's a really good one um yeah and, th and this is this is my jam now this is my summer jam for yeah. sure you could you could probably just do this over ice too if you felt so inclined and not even bother with the uh the shake and strain but uh what do you think about this one michaela yeah i definitely i definitely wanted it to it needs to be really cold um because it is so grapefruity. Um, I did get a little hint of the rose, kind of the rosy, more of a mouthfeel, really. Um, mm -hmm. I loved this. Uh, I like a Paloma. Um, those are, but this, I think, is better. I think I might like this better than a classic mm -hmm. Paloma. Mm -hmm. um, the basil leaf, yeah, I got, I got, Mine was small too. I don't know if it's something going on with the with what's happening uh, in the world ba and everything. Ba Basil says it's too hot. Basil's they're, out. They're, Basil's, they're supporting. Out. They're supporting the writer strike. They're like, we're done. Um, but so I, I liked that it just added the hint of this hint of like freshness, um, and it was just another dimension, which was fun. Um, this is not a sweet drink, so if you want it to be mm -hmm. sweeter, I mean that was one thing. Um, my husband tried it <laughs> uh even though he hates gin and he was like oh it needs to be sweeter he thought it was way too tart um so you could add some simple syrup if you wanted to um or maybe if you had like you said if you couldn't find um the pamplemousse if you just wanted to add some strict grapefruit juice to it that might add a little bit of sweetness to it i don't know i thought it was amazing just the way it was yeah, for sure. This one was uh, really good. And I was uh, really excited to uh, have this one now as something I can whip up. Uh, pretty simple to put together if you have that uh, pomplemousse liqueur for sure. Um, so definitely give this one a try. Um, like we said, it was called this. It's called the syndicate, but it worked out, Michaela, because I did some fact checking. And it turns out that a lot of the key players here um, in our seventh installments of Mission Impossible were members of the syndicate. Perfect. Uh, nailed it again. So let's mix up another one of these because it's delicious. Uh, and this movie is uh, long and a lot to talk about. So let's mix up another one. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about this week's film mission impossible dead reckoning part one longest title maybe for drink movies i don't know we'll be for right sure back. spoiler warning for mission impossible dead reckoning part one there's going to be a lot of explosions and if you don't want to hear us talk about all of the explosions and what happens at the end, surprise, there's a part two coming, then you should press pause now. Go make yourself up an entity slash syndicate drink, which is very tasty. You could go watch the two hour and 47 minute movie, and then you can come back and we can chat about all things Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one. That's right. Absolutely. We will. Um, so you might not have had a chance to see this yet. It just came out uh, this past weekend as of uh, recording this. Uh, so it released 2023. It was directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who has uh, directed this is his uh, third one. And he's uh, slated to be uh, directing Dead Reckoning Part 2, which is scheduled to come out uh, next year. So we'll see how Mr. McQuarrie wraps this thing up. Um, this one stars Tom Cruise, of course, as Ethan Hunt, our spy, our Mission Impossible uh, man who's uh, choosing missions uh, to accept uh, before they explode. That's great. Uh, we've got Ving Rames and Simon Pegg are back as Luther and Benji, um, our little secret agent uh, helpers there, the the hackers. They're a pretty fun part of this movie. We've got Haley Atwell coming on board, playing Grace as a thief and potential ally. 
uh, potential enemy, frenemy, love interest. Hard to say where Grace's story is going to go. Uh, we got some more people back. We got Vanessa Kirby back as the White Widow. We've got Rebecca Ferguson back as Ilsa Faust. Um, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're getting this thing uh, started off right, Michaela. Like I mentioned, this is the seventh installment now of Mission Impossible, going all the way back to 1996. So Tom Cruise has been playing Ethan Hunt now for, uh, what is that, 27 years, if my math does me correct. You know, we just talked about Indiana Jones and how long that was. This isn't that much shorter than Indiana it's Jones, which is, which is wild. It is wild. It is wild that we're still, and, and like Indiana Jones, right, we got Tom Cruise doing all of his own stunts. It's insane. Um, and that, sure. that reason alone, listen, you know, this is an action movie. We're not highbrow. We're not so highbrow that we can't enjoy uh, a good. Uh, we're highbrow for sure. Oh, are we? Don't, don't. No. <laughs> a, a little bit. Okay. So Brian is kind of a highbrow when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> However, even even then, uh, there are some really cool cinematic, uh, amazing minutes uh, that this this uh this film has in it and the first one mm. i think is some of the underwater scenes um the very first shot um that i remember watching during the first couple of minutes of this very long movie was these uh really sweeping kind of underwater scopes uh around like uh, this sub that is called the spadoval mm. or something <laughs> this, uh, oh yeah, my gosh stupaval <laughs> stupaval Stovaval. <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. But it's this really, really cool submarine that's got this very strange, like giant eyeball on one end of the submarine that contains all the secrets of the universe uh, in kind of artificial intelligence. And we don't really know what we're seeing at first. There are these really cool keys that look like normal keys, but they fit together and it looks like a cross and it's, you know, lights up and it's apparently really special. And and it opens this eyeball looking thing that is sitting at the end of this very, very large submarine. And the thing about the submarine is that it they are uh, on their very last voyage before heading home. They're like a couple days before um, heading back to Russia and the Russian... Uh, Navy is talking about how amazing it is that they were able to go to, I don't know, something like 17 different coasts in the different countries mm -hmm. around right. there and spy on these different countries. And this sub is completely undetectable. No one knows it's there. And it's just been really amazing. And everyone's so excited until uh, they think they see something in the water. Their, their uh, instruments are telling them that there is another sub out there, cause for great concern. And so... Yep. All things, all all things go haywire after that. All things go haywire after that. The submarine is called the Sevastopol, so you were pretty close. You were pretty close on on that, Michaela. I was but not yeah. close at all. But thanks. Yeah, the, the uh the intro section with the with the submarine is is pretty cool like it's a cool shot of like you're like upside down like underwater with the ice and then the ice kind of flips up over top of you and you see the submarine there um and they're like locking up this like computer looking thing you don't know what the whole situation with this is when this like phantom other submarine comes and they shoot their torpedo at it and uh then you know the computer kind of takes over the ship and redirects the torpedo back explodes itself and you're like what is up with that what is up with that well we're going to find out later is that the computer that's been cloaking the Sevastopol uh, really would like to be left alone to just be a supercomputer and take over the world um, as you know, far as supercomputers are want to do. Uh, very scary for all those uh, people using chat GPT right now uh, while they're listening to that. So that is our submarine. That is what we got going on. We need to find these keys. Um, it's actually pretty cool. The guys like drift up into the ice and you see the keys dangling. Looks pretty neat. Looks pretty neat. Uh, but how are we going to get these keys? You need a secret uh, special agent uh, by the name of Ethan Hunt. So how are you going to how are you going to do that? You're going to go to Amsterdam. There's a gentleman that's going to come in uh, delivering some food, but that's not really food. That is a uh, secret mission, you know, in the form of uh, should you choose to accept this sort of thing in his little little lunch bag. Uh, this is one of the things that bothered me. This guy in Amsterdam is supposed to be like secret agent and he comes in and he's like food delivery. Uh, why wouldn't you say that in Dutch? Bro, come on, you're you're uh, in the Netherlands. You're supposed to be a secret agent. You're not going to go in there speaking all English. Um, and I know that the the language is okay because we're going to be speaking uh, Italian later. That was just something that bothered me. It it wasn't really a big deal uh, too much. But uh, you know, Ethan Hunt, uh, he takes a look at these pictures. Uh, he listens to a little recording uh, from his guy Kittredge. Says uh, you got to go uh, find these keys, uh, or else you're out. You got to keep doing these things, basically, uh, right? It's, it's always presented as like an option. You don't have to take this mission, but basically, you should just take the mission. Um, like, and that's what he does. 
Yeah. Like the fate of the entire world is in your hands. But if you don't want to do it, I guess we can figure it out. And I do love there's a part. Later, we'll all die then. <laughs> we'll just we'll just die and it'll be fine. Um, I do love how later there's a whole meeting where they're talking about this. Um, and the like the director of the CIA, like he's played by Carrie Elwes and he's amazing. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me understand. The, if something is so it is so awful that we can't legally do it because it's going to break like every international covenant that we have with every country, we just kind of leave word with this group of like rogue humans. Is that what happens like that? And and really the way he makes it sound, it's like it's amazing that this show ever got off the ground in like 1972, <laughs> but it did. And now it's made bazillions of dollars because it sounds like not a good thing but it's actually pretty brilliant um so yeah even hunt uh he gets his mission it's not in a dvd player on a train or a or a plane anymore it's in a food delivery uh box uh which is good because it doesn't ruin uh the the movie thing when it explodes or set the plane on fire or anything like that mm -hmm. which i was always very mm -hmm. concerned about uh that it's in like a very nice um fire safe box and he ends up even hunt decides to go to the desert he goes to the arabian desert at this place called the empty quarter but just think of the hottest place on the planet um and that's where he went yeah uh, in the middle of a, uh, in the middle of a sandstorm he decided to go there and find his friend ilsa uh who apparently was in the first well in the last film um she is played by the amazing rebecca ferguson and she is uh also one of these folks right and mm -hmm. uh like these she's not an if She's no longer an IMF agent, but she um, is on the run and she apparently has one half of these two parts of the key. And so he's got to find her. Um, and, you know, one of the things I love about the Mission Impossible series is that there's a lot of kind of these romantic connotations that happen, but it's not super adult. So you get the feeling that they care about each other. You get the feeling that, you know, maybe there's more than friendship here, but it's certainly not over in some of the more kind of, it's not a 007 moment where he's like having chicks left and right. You know, it's very different. Mm. Yeah, he's a little bit more of a uh, relationship first uh, kind of guy, uh, Ethan Hunt. So yeah, he is off to the deserts to go find uh, Ilsa Faust. Uh, she has one half of this ring. She is a member of the syndicates, I guess, uh, which is where our uh, cocktail name uh, came from. So he goes to the desert. It looks amazing because you see like these people riding horseback through, uh, you know, kind of this desert section. You have uh, Tom Cruise there like laying down on top of a horse over this uh, little ridge. And then he gets up and uh, kind of gives pursuit as the sandstorm comes in. And it looks really, really great. And he eventually catches up with Ilsa Faust. Uh, unfortunately, she is... Uh, uh, DOA uh, when he gets there, right? Dead on arrival, but he gets the key. That's good. That's what we think for right now. And he is headed back uh, to carry on with his mission, I guess, basically, right? He has one half of this key. Uh, we need to find out where the other half of this key is. And the best way to do that is to go to the airport in Dubai. Apparently, they have uh, tracked down that someone is trying to make some sort of sale of this key. So we are headed off. Um, that's where our uh, helpers are going to come in. Luther and Benji, uh, played by Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg. I really love kind of the banter between these two. Ving Rhames is amazing. Um, I always really like Ving Rhames and, and all the things that, that he does. And, and he's great. And he's kind of the most like sentimental and like adult one of these right is uh keeping these guys in in line i really like him through this section here but they're trying to identify uh who is carrying this key so then you're going to start getting some more uh little like like trickery and stuff like that because uh ethan hunt's looking for this key but sir some people they're also looking for ethan hunt uh and then uh to uh, throw another wrench into the situation you have uh Haley atwell who's playing grace is a thief who comes in and just throws a monkey wrench into this whole thing she does. Um, or at least that's what we're led to believe at first. She's like some random thief. Um, so there's a couple of things that they're talking about um, when when they get into the room and they're like, we got a person on this and it's Ethan Hunt and we can't really tell you about it to the director. They, they go on and on a little bit too long about how awful this AI stuff is. Um, and it, one of the things that they're saying is that this AI um, can basically trickle in and like insert itself into every corner of the universe uh, that we now know. So like airport security, um, there, you know, we've got the, this team that's looking for Ethan um, and they think they see him a couple times because the, 
face technology, the face recognition technology is telling us it's him. It's actually not him. And so you never know if you're looking at a screen or you're look, you've gotten a text or something, you, you don't know if it's a real, uh, if it's the real person trying to talk to you, or if it's, you know, this entity uh, that is just trying to preserve itself, which is really terrifying, actually, uh, when we think about it. Uh, I'm looking at you, Snapchat, GPH stuff. Um, but uh, this, this poor, well, I say poor girl, hey, Haley Atwell's grace. She kind of gets stuck in the mix of this. We think that she just haphazardly steals this key because she thinks it looks cool. And, uh, there's instant connection between Ethan Hunt and her. Um, I love the banter that they have because he leaves her like a lighter and he's like something to remember me by. And he tries to steal it back. Um, they're in the middle of the Abu Dhabi airport, which looks amazing. I don't, I've been trying to find if they actually shot in the airport or not. Um, mm -hmm. And I find it really interesting because we're going to talk about some of the things that happened. Uh, the, the studio was really explicit in the credits that they did not do, that they were like, look, we didn't, we didn't actually blow this thing up. You can still go see it. Um, but I wonder yeah. if they actually had this huge chase scene in the uh, airport because it looks really cool. You've got uh, Ethan Hunt uh, jumping up and down. Yeah, I bet that they did really film in the airport because they filmed really on the side of the Burj Khalifa, also in Dubai. So it makes sense. Uh, they're apparently uh, in pretty good uh, with the locals there. So I'm guessing that they they were really at that uh, airport. Never been to the airport, so I couldn't say uh, for sure. But I would I would guess that you know at least some of the some of the exterior stuff and him running across the roof, I bet was really at the real place. I haven't been there in years, uh, but it looked exactly the same. So I was going to say they did a really good job if they did it on a soundstage somewhere because that whole space at the top, because um, there's a plane that's leaving. Uh, Grace manages to have the key and she gets on a plane uh, to, it looks like to Rome. And so uh, Ethan Hunt, you think is going to try and uh, somehow get on the plane himself. And how's he going to do that? He's going to climb to the roof, which looks amazing and huge. And he's just like running the whole, I don't know, 30 minutes of this film is just shots of Ethan running in various <laughs> places, looking amazing as Tom Cruise. I mean, it's so great. That's right. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been running. He's been riding horses. Now, when he was running across there, I thought he was going to like run to like catch up with the plane to like get on it or something somehow. But uh, he just ends up in in Rome somehow. But but yeah, this first section is really fun. He's wearing like the sunglasses that can like tick him off like who is uh, wearing this thing. Uh, and then there's something else that crazy happens in the airport, too. There's like this bomb that Benji has to go um, and defuse. And it's like this like big puzzle thing. And kind of the kind of the thing that they're they're doing, like in this puzzle is it's asking like Benji, like personal information about itself so it can uh, further like drill down on the artificial intelligence of Benji and learn about all these people. It's it's kind of it's kind of neat, but also kind of kind of real creepy as, uh, you know, people that get, you know, uh, automated ads uh, based on things that they've been talking about. Uh, so so yeah, you know, you know, a uh, little, little, uh, little uh, too lifelike there uh, for my liking. But we are on our way to Rome, uh, which basically just serves as a stopover, so we can have a sweet car chase. Uh, because basically, they get to Rome, right? Uh, you get Grace there. Uh, she is arrested. Uh, her attorney is going to come in. Uh, her attorney, of course, is not really an attorney. It's really uh, Ethan Hunt. He comes in. Uh, he is uh, trying to get her broken out of there, and she does not seem to be uh, ready to accept this uh, guy's help. But uh, unfortunately, um, as I mentioned. You know, you got a bunch of people chasing uh, Ethan Hunt. You've got the the American uh, people, uh, Briggs and Degas, played by Shay Wiggum and Greg Tarzan Davis. They're chasing down Ethan Hunt, trying to trying to get him right. Uh, apparently, he's going a little bit too rogue for everyone's liking at the uh, CIA and all of those places. Uh, but then you also have the people that are working uh, for the entity uh, and like literally, I guess, like the entity kind of embodiment himself, Gabriel, who's played by S.A. Morales. And then you've got uh, Plom Kementief, who's played playing Paris, uh, who's kind of like this, I don't know, like hit woman uh, kind of a figure, I guess, uh, alongside. So you've got like this three-way chase uh, through Rome. Uh, it looks absolutely insane, uh, which kind of culminates with them driving up and down uh, the Spanish steps, which the producers of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 would like you to know uh, wasn't real. Didn't really drive on the Spanish steps. No cause for concern. Yeah, she, uh, it's, I love this scene because again, uh, so they, I, I want to believe, uh, given all of the Mission Impossibles that I've looked at and all the car chase scenes, uh, this, this group has some sort of deal going with BMW for sure, because it's, their BMW is all over this, um, which is why it's so funny that, uh, Ethan Hunt is like, Hey, I found a car. I found a safe car. It's like three blocks away. We're just, we're going to run. We're going to, we'll be fine. Um, 
Grace is like, I'm not driving anymore. I'm done. This I've I've almost died like six times. They and they get they get to this kind of row of cars, and you think he he's gonna get into the Ferrari, and he ends up getting into this little Fiat 500. Um, and it's so cute. It's bright yellow, which is great, so we can easily spot it. Um, and the the back and forth of going down the steps and through these tiny little cobblestone run roadways. Um, I thought it was really fresh. Uh, it was a fresh way to look at a car chase because we've seen that a lot. We've seen a lot of car chases in Mission Impossible and elsewhere. And I really mm -hmm. liked how um, they were also handcuffed to each other. So they're trying to finagle that and figure out, figure that piece out. Um, it ends up where Ethan Hunt actually has to take off the steering wheel so that he can get himself out of the car in time to avoid a train. Um, really just that part, that part's really fun um, because it wasn't too long. Um, mm -hmm. It was just long enough to keep you interested. And then when you were about ready to be done and they were done with it, which is really good, I think for, from a car chase perspective. Yeah, for sure. Cause they, they can uh, tend to drag on a little bit, but this one, yes, it felt like the right amount of time. Um, and it was very kind of creative and how they did it and how they're dealing with all of like the, like the mopeds and, uh, you know, motorcycles and scooters, uh, within and around Rome and kind of the traffic around Rome. And like I mentioned, going up and down, like the, the Spanish steps, there's kind of this really funny section where, uh, Grace is driving the little Fiat, um, and, uh, Paris is like chasing down and like this gigantic armored like Hummer uh, looking yeah. thing. Um, and it's literally just going around in a circle, like around this, uh, like, um, <laughs> you know, kind of roundabout uh, yeah. sort of thing. That that was pretty funny. Um, I have to say uh, the the special effects here, I mean, look really great. Um, there's a particular uh, part in the in the very beginning when Grace uh, jumps into a police car and is trying to make her way out, um, and she gets kind of kind of t boned and the car spins out. That looks like insane. Like it felt like you were in uh, the car accident right there uh, with Grace and the you know the airbag deploys and stuff like that. But uh, you know the moral of the story here is that Grace has the key. She gets away. She is on her way to Venice. Like I said, the the Rome stop to me just felt like uh, we need to go to Rome because we want to film a car chase in Rome. Uh, the real action is going to be in Venice, and that is where Grace is heading because. She has a potential buyer for this key, and we're learning a little bit more about kind of the players of this now, right? We're learning about uh, who Gabriel uh, is and was. Gabriel is like this this real person who has some uh, previous history with Ethan Hunt and and that kind of stuff, which is which is no good, and uh, it's basically being controlled by this uh, entity. Uh, sort of thing, right? And uh, the entity kind of knows. He knows about all these buyers. He knows how to pit them against each other. He knows how uh, to basically kind of kind of game everything, right? Because it's a computer, so it can uh, basically just run like 10 billion simulations and know exactly how these things are going to go. And that's what uh, Gabriel does. He's like, I know that tomorrow I'm going to have the keys. And uh, spoiler, uh, that's exactly what happens. But the Venice section is really cool because Venice is really neat, um, an interesting place, and it's really neat to film and looked pretty fun. But uh, what do you think about the, our time here in Venice, Michaela? Um, I really liked it. I thought it was great that right around the time you're feeling very despondent for Ethan Hunt because he has lost Grace, he's lost the key, um, you know, he's still hooked up to a steering wheel. Um, this van shows up, uh, opens the doors, and it's it, it, and it's his friends, all three of them, which is spoiler warning, Ilsa did not die. Uh, she came back uh because, you know, he helped save her life in the desert and uh she couldn't she couldn't stay away. And so she's there with uh Luther and Benji, Benji and they yeah. are um they're coming up with a plan. There's a big party where they're gonna meet this buyer, and they're like, obviously, you know, Grace is gonna be there. We're gonna figure this out. How are we gonna do this? Um and it's uh, it's really nice because there is a moment where Ethan and Ilsa kind of stand and they get to look at the fact that, you know, at the landscape and say, well, you know, we've never been to Venice and this is kind of nice. Um, but there's all this, uh, if you've not been to Venice, it's it's the city that's in basically, cover it's sinking into the ocean. And so there's all these gondola, like, Oh God, what are they called? Gondola writers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so yeah. you've got, um, so there's this big party that's supposed to happen. The party looks really cool. Um, I want to be it invited does. to a party yep. that looks that cool. The music is really jumping. Um, there's a lot of very good looking, I think half naked people on like, yeah. uh, if a, if a world ending bars. supercomputer wants to invite drink the movies to this party, we'll go. Right. We'll, go. we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there for it. Um, but that's kind of where all of this comes to a head and we finally see who all these players are. And it turns out that the buyer who's asked um, Grace 
to steal this because she wasn't just a random thief. She was set up to be like intrinsically brought into this uh, whole big spider web of events um, by the entity itself. She goes and meets the White Widow. And we know the White Widow from the, the movie before this. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't know the White Widow because you didn't see the movie before this, you're not, you're not really missing much. Um, but the most important thing to know is that she is real cold hearted. And, you know, Gabriel's there and he's like, look, I'm going to I'm going to help you buy this. And um, we're going to get this. Um, we're going to get both ends of this key we're going to make more money than ever we're going to do what the entity wants um because the entity will probably take care of us if we do that um and it's really tough because again gabriel knows ethan from a former life they used to be friends um and i guess really gabriel is the one who uh created the the crime space in which Ethan got himself in trouble where he was asked, Mm -hmm. Hey, you can go to jail for a bazillion years and never live and see the light of day, or you can be part of the mission impossible team. And so while it's a choice, it's not really that great of a choice. Um, So, you know, there's this huge hatred and and anger between the two. Um, And Gabriel does things to Ethan just because he can, because he wants to cause him pain. Um, And so we see that he makes this deal knowing that that the entity can hear him. And he's like, look, you can either choose Ilsa or you can choose Grace, but one of them is going to die today and I'm still going to get the key. (laughs) And it's like, this this is impossible. Uh, There's no way that this is going to go well. Yeah, the... um... Kind of one of the things here about this uh, this first part, and obviously it's going to kind of end um, with uh, a little bit of a of a down note as we have to kind of conclude the story in the in the second part. But uh, this this story is a lot to do with uh, Ethan Hunt just kind of getting uh, defeated, defeated, defeated. Uh, kind of especially you know kind of through this, it does end on a little bit uh, brighter note, which we're going to get to here um, in a second. But especially here in this Venice section, you get you know kind of all of these uh, these people who have you know all this history together and uh, how basically they're all going to be coming together and the entity is is all going to uh, pull these strings, uh, you know, and get them to do exactly as it's uh, predicting that they're going to do. Um, you get some really cool stuff in Venice. The party, it looks amazing. It's in like this, uh, this like piazza of uh, Venice somewhere. I'm not 100% sure where it is, but it has all these like projections up on the wall. That looks really cool. Um, there's a big fight uh, then through Venice as uh, Ethan Hunt is trying to chase down uh, Gabriel to to get Grace and to get Ilsa out of there to, you know, to keep one of them uh from from not dying and uh, ends up getting turned around and stuck in this little alleyway um spares paris's life uh, which is nice that's going to come back and uh, be pretty handy uh here in the future as we're going to learn but you get this kind of fight scene uh between gabriel and ilsa ilsa's like wielding a sword gabriel has like these cool like switchblade knives and the the visualization of it looks amazing i don't know if that was actually in venice um, or if that was done on like a like a soundstage kind of a thing, but it's kind of where the two canals kind of meet underneath of this river, and it looked really cool. It's like it's like lit just by like the moon. It looked pretty awesome. Uh, it looked very like Kill Bill esque, I guess, with the uh, with the sword there. I thought that that was uh, uh, pretty cool. But uh, bad news: Ilsa meets her end. Uh, Grace is able to uh, live to fight another day, and uh, basically now Grace is on on the hook, right? She is uh, uh, going to be brought in by the IMF team and says, "Hey." You, you messed up, Grace. Uh, you got in over your head. You didn't know what you were doing. You should have listened to us from this whole time. Uh, and now you can either uh, become one of us or you can uh, go to prison. And that that's your option, right? She is met with that same choice that uh, Ethan Hunt's had to make, that Luther's had to make, that Benji's had to make. Um, and she's going to make, uh, hopefully, the right decision. That's right. Yeah, it's really sad um, because she she has to come to terms with the fact that uh, she's getting her butt kicked by Gabriel, right? He is she is like no match for him in terms of like hand to hand combat. And then of course, you know, Elsa shows up with a sword. Why she doesn't just show up with a gun? Beyond me, probably not the wisest move. Um, just saying, but it looks cool. And that also don't bring a sword probably, to a knife fight. That's right. Why why would you do that? Bring a gun. Bring a gun to the knife she, fight. Do that. She had she had the world's giganticest sniper rifle at the beginning of the movie where was right. that? where was that where was that even like a teeny tiny little baby like hand pistol would have been better than a sword in my opinion but probably wouldn't have lasted as long it would have, it wouldn't have ended the way that we needed it to so um but i do like this because again um we start to empathize a lot more with grace and try and learn more about her and you know her whole thing in this is she was like i want 
Um, I, I want a fresh start. I want some walking around money. Surely I can just figure this out and I don't need uh, to, you know, give my life to this team. Why would I do that? And I really love the way that Luther and Benji kind of tell her, you know, hey, we do this because we want to. Um, we do this because we believe that what we're doing is the right thing. And we're, you know, we don't have families anymore. Um, we're not allowed to. Um, we've seen in the past Mission Impossibles, it's not real good to do that. Um, and so they're like, but we have each other. And um, Ethan Hunt is always saying that he will um, definitely give his life for every any member of the team, no matter what. And so it, it's kind of sweet in a way. And I really like that it becomes, you know, the last few films have really focused on that on that team aspect of it, uh, mm. instead of it just being like the Ethan Hunt show. Uh, because Ethan Hunt's amazing, but he wouldn't be able to do any of these things without these really amazing team members putting together a plan, wearing the masks, making the stuff, doing all this, all the things. And so I do like um, that they they have got an idea. They're like, we're going to we're going to meet Gabriel on this train. Uh, we're going to meet the White Widow on this train. We're, we're going to dress up. We're going to wear masks, which is super famous, like Mission Impossible stuff of old and very classic. Um, and so they put together these plans and they're going to do it, except for the fact that the mask making machine that makes the most amazing like human looking, realistic looking masks dies. Uh, so they only have one mm -hmm. mask. So they have to tweak it a little bit. And this means that Tom Cruise has to find, get on the train some other way. He can't go and dress up like uh, one of her henchmen, one of the white widow's henchmen, henchmen. She has, he has to somehow get on the train some other way. No, Insert right, yeah. a giant <laughs> motorcycle insert insert the motorcycle in the uh, giant jump that we've uh, been talking about yeah that's right so grace is on her way then to the to the train to get uh kind of this this key right she's going to use her uh, pickpocketing skills she is going to be wearing wearing the face of the white widow uh there to go in and have this meeting with uh none other none other than kittredge himself who i guess is trying to get the key for himself we also have uh the head of is it the cia i don't know the head of the intelligence uh for the whole the whole thing demlinger uh carrie always's character he's there trying to get the key everyone basically wants this key every every government entity in the world wants this key they all want to be in control of the sub supercomputer except bad news the supercomputer doesn't want to be under the control of anyone it wants to stay buried in the bottom of the ocean uh with no one having this key uh so that's that's kind of what we're what we're doing with there and yeah ethan Hunt has to get onto this train right uh, he's got to get on there to get grace out of there to make this whole thing uh come to fruition so i really like um he's on uh his little uh, his little like uh, dirt bike kind of thing riding around he's trying to get it but the train is like running away uh gabriel's like knocked the brake off and uh turned it up to full speed so he's not been able to catch up with it and you've got benji's like he's like just keep going keep going keep going it's and then my eventually favorite <laughs> it's so funny because he's like well, i'm going up a mountain when do i start going down he's like just keep going just, just keep, keep going. going it's gonna be fine it'll be fine he gets to the edge of the mountain he pulls up and uh stops he says uh benji you are an idiot what are you doing uh i'm going to die he's like just jump jump off of it and go down and get on the train he's like i gotta get far away from this which is why then of course he drives his motorcycle over the edge and uh that's pretty cool right and you get the great stunt that we've been seeing now for the past year kind of in the movie theaters and all the promo stuff of him riding up and going off and uh skydiving down to it uh it only is about I don't know, like 10 seconds of film that they had to do all this and spend all this money for. But uh, it does look pretty cool. I will say it does look pretty cool, pretty cool. And we kind of we kind of catch up with uh, Ethan then as we don't really see his descent, but he does come crashing into the train, uh, which is really great. Uh, Grace is able to to get the key, but we're uh, having like a knockdown drag out. You know, this four way kind of chase uh, has continued to go. Uh, Briggs and Dagos are still there chasing after him. You still got Gabriel there. You've got uh, Kittredge there now, like all like everyone in the whole movie is on this train uh now right. at this moment uh it's pretty bananas and this train is about ready to go over a bridge uh and that's that's no good yeah it's not good yeah because there's a bomb uh like a bunch of explosives are attached to the legs of this bridge it was uh actually pretty controversial uh it was a bridge in poland it's the rail the 1908 railway bridge and uh apparently it was really hard to film they had to change uh, the timing of it and everything because they actually filmed on the bridge, which is interesting. Uh, so, um, and uh, one of the things that's really important to note here is Ethan Hunt has, knows he has to make a decision because Gabriel uh, knows where the key 
needs to go in order to stop the entity. Um, he's the only one that seems to know where that is. And or so, Luth is, yeah. mm -hmm. right, right. And Luther has to ask Ethan, you know, hey, if you see him and you guys get into a fight and you, you, you're still really angry about all this stuff that he's done and, and put you through, you know, you can't kill him. <laughs> Do you know that you can't kill him? Because we need to find out where this key goes. Like we need to figure out what, where it is. Cause they don't even know it's on a submersible at this point. Hey. They have no idea. Yeah. Um, and so of course uh, it, this is when, you know, his decision to not kill Paris, which was that really like kick, butt, like assassin chick, she's so awesome. Um, he decides not to spare her. Well, he decides to spare her life and she ends up um, betraying him. Uh, betraying Gabriel to go ahead and help Ethan uh, at the end, but not before meeting her own demise, which is really sad. Um, the way that that goes down, um, mm. but very, very indicative of just the the kind of cruelty uh, and absolute loyalty that Gabriel has to this entity, because the entity just uses math and all of these simulated probabilities, and just says, "Look, I know that you spared her." It, her life. And so now I can't trust her because she has to owe you her life. So she might help you. And so not only does he kill the director of intelligence, but he kills her. And then they get into this big fight on the, at the end of the train. That's yeah, that's right. Everyone, everyone is fighting. This train is uh, coming to coming to an end. I there's there's kind of an amazing looking section there where uh, Ethan Hunt and uh, Grace are up like on on top of the train. Gabriel's up on top of the train. Uh, Briggs, like the the American, uh, you know, kind of person that's uh, tasked with bringing in Ethan, are on top of the train. And you know, Ethan, you know, saves uh, saves Paris's life earlier in the film. He saves Briggs' life, uh, uh, kind of on top of this train, uh, which is really pretty neat and he you know tells briggs you got to go got to go stop the train uh got, or get everyone to the back of the train right the train's got to stop it's gonna it's gonna go over this bridge and uh and uh, and that's kind of one of the kind of coolest sections i thought of the movie um i like i like kind of the car chase stuff in rome but uh basically the the train gets kind of the end of the tracks so you're going over this bridge and and you're just seeing the the cars kind of uh start dangling over and just going down one by one um and you have uh ethan hunt and grace they're kind of at the at the very bitter end they've they've uh commandeered the key back right uh, pickpocketed uh gabriel from the key uh there one last time so they're in possession of the key but they have to get out of this train first and it's kind of cool because each of the each of the train cars goes and each of the train cars is different right so they go through like they go through like the kitchen car and then they go through like a like a dining car and then they go through uh like this other with uh, like all this luggage and stuff and it, it looks it looks really cool as they're kind of going through and, and getting up there and then finally they're able to get up there and get saved by paris uh who tells ethan that uh the key uh opens something on the Sevastopol, right? The the submarine. Uh, so that is uh, kind of what we're left with at the end, right? Ethan has the key. Ethan knows where he needs to go. And uh, presumably that's what we're going to uh, be finding out in Dead Reckoning Part 2 uh, next year. Um, so that's that's kind of where it ends, uh, Michaela, right? You're left on a, it's not, it's not really like, I mean, it's a cliffhanger in the sense that, uh, you know, we need to, you know, need to finish this adventure but it wasn't it wasn't really like a cliffhanger about like who had the key or where it was like that that stuff was pretty much settled uh so kind of yeah. like that right you didn't have to sit for like a year being like well who who has the key exactly what's what's going on but we kind of knew where everyone was at this part of the film yeah no and i really like that um there's plenty of time uh <laughs> in this next adventure that they are going to craft for us. Um, I hope it's not two hours and 40 minutes long. However, there's plenty of time to add some. It'll be three hours and 40 minutes long. Well, maybe, uh, but it, it, there's plenty of, there's plenty of wiggle room for them to kind of do some more fun stuff with this, right? Like you're not thinking that, okay, well, it's now just a final showdown between Ethan and Gabriel uh, as it, Gabriel doesn't have the key. Ethan has the key. Um, now he has to find uh, the, Sevastopol. Sevastopol um, in order, and it's still sitting at this bottom of this ocean, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just kind of waiting. And it's interesting because the entity now has to know that it failed uh, in getting it. And so it's got to be pretty scared. So what, what started to go through my mind in the credits of watching this, I was like, well, what, what could possibly happen now? Because when people get scared, they have this fight or flight kind of desire, right? They're either going to stay mm -hmm. and fight or they're going to try and run away. The entity can't really go anywhere because it's already everywhere. So what is it going to do to try and mess things up? 
um, how far is it going to take this to stay alive? We have, uh, you know, as humans are willing to go pretty far. So it's, it's, it's a little daunting, uh, to see, to think about how they're going to, how they're going to shake this one out and how Ethan's going to somehow come out on top. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It, it does leave a little bit of, uh, like you said, wiggle room there. Um, Paris, uh, who we, we thought had died, is is left a little bit uh, kind of ambiguous as uh, Briggs, our uh, U.S. agent, comes. And I think uh, kind of the last thing uh, he says there is that uh, there's still a pulse or, you know, there's barely a pulse on Paris. So could Paris be back? Uh, that's possible. We don't know for sure. Uh, how is uh, Gabriel going to react and respond to uh, losing this key? Uh, kind of a plot hole for me, right? The entity... Uh, uh, wants to get this wants to get this key gabriel had it why didn't you just have gabriel just destroy the key done problem solved but that's okay that's okay um uh no bit no big deal no big deal um ethan hunt has the key and that's where we are headed to next time so that is a uh, mission impossible uh dead reckoning part one um it's uh it's, it, the the story itself is, is pretty good it's pretty straightforward but kind of the I don't know, like the like the backbone of it, it gets a, a little convoluted when you're talking about kind of this uh, AI stuff and how you keep track of that. So hopefully we didn't uh, get too much in the weeds there on that. But this movie was pretty fun, Michaela. I mean, there was a lot of good action. There were a lot of good stunts and things. The The car chase in Rome was great. Um, you know, kind of, like I said, kind of that sword fight, night fight uh, looked really cool. And then obviously, you know, kind of, you know, Tom Cruise riding through the uh, the Swiss Alps there on a uh, motorbike is uh, pretty fun and uh, diving off into the into the train he comes like crashing into the train which is uh which is a really great <laughs> great scene uh your kiddo yeah. like jumped out of his seat when he came crashing in so that was yeah that was uh pretty fun so yeah no this was good um one of the things i really like about most of the mission impossible films is uh they're pg-13 um but they're they're fairly kid friendly um like i said there's not a lot of nudity there or sex um there's some violence um but uh i thought for me and i know my child this was this was okay for my son to watch um I, other parents might feel differently but i i really like the fact that they've they've kind of made these action films that don't have to be gratuitously violent or like super sexy you can have these films that are still really good fun that don't have a lot of that in it um and now we're focusing on the different kind of action pieces and um again some of the camaraderie aspects of the script and um I really like that. I think that th this is one of my favorites of, I've watched all of them. And this was one of my favorites because of the differences in the locations and so sort of the creativity around um, some of the action. Um, and I really loved the pickpocketing. I mean, to me, it's it's it looked really slick and cool. And it was very akin to sort of uh, the first couple of films um, where they were just trying to get their footing as to what they had here with this franchise. I thought it was really fun. I'm excited to see how it's going to end up uh, where part two is. Looks like we're not actually going to have to wait that long because it's supposed to come out in 2024. So only a year mm -hmm. away. It's uh, I think they filmed it already. So they're just kind of uh, letting this one make its bazillions and then they're going to start over again. It's already made. Uh, 235 million according to wikipedia so it's in really good shape to to be able to um continue the story there's a big question whether this is going to be ethan hunt's last hurrah and if mm -hmm. he's going to pass the baton to somebody else i don't know if that's going to be the case but um you know tom cruise he still looks like he's 35 so i, I don't know why we just don't set up another seven like right now let's yeah for sure i don't know yeah i kind of got the i got the uh feeling uh, kind of on one hand that maybe it was setting it up to where Haley Atwell is going to kind of take over um, as like the head of this team uh, potentially. But I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, Tom Cruise could certainly uh, go on doing it. He he still looks young enough and seems to be enjoying it enough to be driving uh, motorcycles off of that and doing that. But yeah, getting getting older there. Uh, same could be said, you know, for Ving Rhames and, and Simon Pegg. I don't know uh, how much longer they'd be interested in playing those those roles, but it seemed definitely like they could be setting it up to either uh, pass the baton or at least create some sort of, uh, you know, kind of fulfilling conclusion where Ethan Hunt can uh, kind of walk away from this life or earn his uh, quote unquote freedom, I guess, from it, uh, so to speak. So that'll be that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because, you know, Kittredge is still alive. 
the White Widow is still alive there um, on the train. So uh, still a lot of players uh, involved in this to see how this thing uh, completely wraps up. But we'll have to wait uh, for another day to talk about that. Uh, but we're not going to have to wait another day to make up our entity uh, syndicate cocktail from the Alamo Draft House because uh, I'm not waiting any longer uh, for that because it was delicious. So definitely if you're listening to this, make one of those up and let us know what you think about it. And let us know what you think about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, let us know if you liked it. Let us know what your favorite installment of the Mission Impossible film franchise was. Uh, let us know um, what your thoughts and theories are about Part 2. Uh, we want to hear all of that stuff. You can do that on our uh, social medias. It's on Instagram and Twitter. It's at DrinkTheMovies and on Facebook.com uh, slash DrinkTheMovies. Uh, it's at DrinkTheMovies on threads uh come check us out uh on there and uh let us know what you think you can uh, join our discord you can join our patreon we're going to be coming out with a bonus episode uh talking all about barbie uh next week after we get a chance to see that that's going to be good that's on patreon.com slash drink the movies uh go check that out that's pretty fun and uh, make sure if you're listening to this go back and listen to last week's episode uh noises off that was michaela's favorite uh she would really love it if you went back and uh listen to that one again for sure yeah, yeah. It'd be even better if you've seen the movie. Uh, Almost so you know as convoluted. About. Almost as convoluted as Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. That's right. Um, yeah, and you can do that by uh, finding us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Part, Good Pods, Near Pods, anywhere. Uh, if you're listening right now, whatever you're listening to us on, perfect. Don't change a thing. Just hit the subscribe button. Um, if you're liking what you're hearing, let everybody know. There's a way to give a review on whatever medium that you're on uh, to show us how much you like us. Uh, if you don't like us, you know, don't say anything. We don't need that kind of negativity in our lives. Um, but we're really excited about building this community out um, of folks who love movies and cocktails alike. Uh, we love getting requests from you all and hearing about the cocktails you're making and the films you're watching and the shows you're watching and the music you're listening to. All the things, really, uh, cocktail that you can that you can drink to. You should be able to to talk to us about and all of that. It really helps us get all the drink the movie stuff out there. So thanks. Absolutely, absolutely. So that is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It was a good time. We laughed. We cried. We jumped off of cliffs on our motorcycle. Uh, it was it was a really, really fun time to be alive. Go check out that cocktail, The Entity Syndicate. Uh, that's on our website, drinkthemovies.com. Uh, you can find our recipes and recaps for all of that stuff. But, you know, for now, Michaela, that was that was quite the adventure. We went from, like, like the ocean to the desert to Italy. Um, I think I probably would have stayed in Italy, I guess, if I was, if I was you know, about my, you know, had to, had to make decisions for myself but uh it was a good time and next week we're going to be talk back to talk about something else just as equally epic uh oppenheimer uh is uh on the slate for next week so stay tuned for that uh and uh let us know what you think so i don't know michaela let's mix up another cocktail and head out of here we'll talk right. to everyone next time on drink drink the, the movies. movies so you're telling me that we just leave word <laughs> I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't say it any better. His incredulousness was amazing. He's like, we're the most, like, we're supposed to be the most, like, powerful entity, like, country in the entire world. And when we, when we run into a problem, we just leave word and in a just, Uber and Eats and they box. Do, and they just do the mission if they choose to accept it. Pretty good. Pretty good. What could go wrong? <laughs>